morning. We shouldn't be lengthy. I have a, quite a bit to read, though. I want to take you through the book of John, not through the book of John, into the book of John. Next month, we'll be looking basically at the book of Luke. I'm going to encourage you to read in the book of Luke, but this month, it's I'm going to look into the book of John. We're going to start out in John chapter 19, verse 16. And the subtitle in my Bible is The Crucifixion. That's a good enough. I got three points. The Crucifixion, No Murder, Never Killed. That's the points in the message. There's three of them today. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he being and him bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him and either on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Look at that's all caps. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Kind of interesting when you study texts. These are the three major languages of the day, and they were in, they were in writing, and they were uh, put to text and uh, validated in our scriptures even. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What, have I, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they were, had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. That is a quote or a Prophecy fulfilled, verse 23, is fulfilled in Psalms 22. And we'll probably look at Psalms 22 tonight. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, who it shall be, whose it shall be, and the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vestures they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. That's from Psalm 22 again. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cephas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciples, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, his will was fulfilled. That's where we get our last will and testament from, verse 27. That the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. We'll find out a little more about that in Psalms tonight. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to look into your word this morning. 
I know it's sobering, but we have great hope in the fact that you gave up your son for us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Turn to John 3.16. I want to look at that fact that Christ gave himself, but God gave his son. And we see that in John 3.16. We're not going to leave the book of John, Lord willing, tonight, today. And John 3.16, most of you are familiar with that verse. It's the most quoted verse in the world. In the world. It's called the synopsis of the Gospels. For God so loved the world, verse 16 of chapter 3 of John. It's written in testimony to the uh, priest Nicodemus by Jesus Christ, and he capsulized the scripture and gave uh, Nicodemus the word, and it says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he, there's that word again, gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's been said that if you're a born-again Christian, you only die once. If you're not, you'll die twice. You'll have everlasting life if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus Christ gave himself. We've seen that demonstrated in that verse. But I wanted to draw to your attention one man, uh, no murder. Christ became, was never killed. He was never murdered. When you talk about murder, it's one man's devastation upon another. One man's humiliation upon another. One man's degradation upon another. And that's murder. He was never murdered, although they tried to humiliate him, and they tried to degrade him, and they tried to crucify him, but they couldn't do it themselves. No one, no one actually murdered Jesus. He hung there on the cross and willingly gave himself for us. Each and every one of us. He made that commitment to his heavenly Father in chapter 17, I believe, of the same portion of Scripture. I was at, I always liked that little saying about how much did Jesus love you? And he loved you this much. That's how much he loved each one of us. He spread out his arms, hung between heaven and earth, and died for each one of us. Gave up his spirit. Nobody killed him. Nobody took his life. They couldn't. He could have called, as the story goes, 10,000 angels to rescue him from the cross. He could have brought Armageddon on in a moment. But instead, he willingly went to the cross in obedience to the heavenly Father, his Father, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son. In obedience to his heavenly Father and in love, for each one of us. That's why he was crucified. That's why he allowed that those things to happen. That's why he hung there for you and I. He gave himself for us. Now he continues to ask us to give something to him. We're back to that old salvation is offered freely. It's to everyone who asks. It's to everyone who takes it. It's to everyone who begs for it. It's to everyone 
freely given by Jesus in obedience to his heavenly Father and an example for us to be obedient to his heavenly Father also. He wasn't murdered. John 10, 14 and 18. Let's look at that. We're in the book of John. Let's go to chapter 10. How can you say that, Pastor? I can say that with affirmation and the scriptures to back me up. This is John chapter 10. Fourteen through eighteen. Let's see here. I gotta find it. My pages stick together. I gotta get a new Bible. John ten, fourteen through eighteen. Jesus Christ proclaims himself the good shepherd here. He proclaims himself the door in this passage of scripture in the first part of John chapter ten. He says, I come, I come, I I am the door, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the shepherd. My sheep follow me. In verse 14, we'll pick it up. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Talking about the united new church where the Jew and the Greek can have Christ as their personal Savior. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. He was obedient unto death an encouragement, and an example for us to follow. Now, I dare say that would be easy to be obedient unto death sometimes. It's hard to be obedient and live. It's hard to be obedient and live. God knows that. He's with us. He understands that. He will help you as his heavenly Father was called upon to help him. Those three years he was in, his ministry here on earth and his completed ministry here on earth, he came to his heavenly father more than once and asked for guidance and strength. And what did God do? Gave it to him to where he miraculously could lay down his own life for us. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful availability. As I spread my hands and said, God loves you that much, all you have to do is put them together like this and ask him to help you. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to show his love and guidance towards you. That's all you have to do. Put them two hands together. And he loves you. And he wants to make himself known not only to you, but through you to others. And that's what the missions program was about. Us exemplifying Christ to others. I would love to be with Brother Fred when he goes over there to Africa with the $20,000 and they hand, they get into that new Jeep Rover or whatever it's going to be. It's an all-terrain vehicle and it's not new. I'm sure of that. But I'd like to see, you know, when you give, 
it's better to give than receive. You know, we hear that at Christmas, but Jesus Christ exemplified it with his life. And we have a chance to exemplify Christ with our lives in that same manner. We have people in the congregation that sacrificially perform duties for mankind, whether it be making pizzas or mending their bodies or delivering their mail or making sure their toilets flush or helping them with their gifts they give to one another. We have an example. We have an opportunity. We have the privilege as born-again Christians to share Christ with others and to share the others the Christ. And so God works in our lives, and he allows that. The, the third and last point, I will not labor too long. We will be out early today, is Christ was never killed. His life was never taken. We're back to John 14, verse 30. We looked at John 3, 16. We looked at John 10, 14 through 18. Now we're going to go back to John 19, 30. Just go back about 10 chat or up to about forward about 10 chapters. In 1930, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. That was in fulfillment of prophecy there. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The embodiment of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, God himself and Jesus Christ are hung there on the cross for us to turn to, for us to respond to, for us to ask, for us to receive eternal life. Where are you today in your life? What, what are you facing in your life today? What directions are you wondering you should take? Are you young and looking at the beginning of your life? Are you middle-aged and wondering how, about the service of your life? Are you looking forward to targets or are you looking, as I am, back to the past? I implore you not to be regretful no matter where you're at. To be in God's will, to be in God's dominion, to be in His part of his plan for this whole world that others might know Christ. Whether it be involvement in missions, whether it be a track laid at the coffee a station at work, whether it be letting someone else by your own testimony, by your own words, experience what you've experienced through the Savior's death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf. God loves you. He wants the best for you. And part of the best for you is submitting yourself to his will. He won't force you. He won't make you. Although I've had times in my life he's twisted my ears pretty good. But I'm so thankful he's been patient. Now, where are you today as far as trying God's patience? Where are you today as far as what God would have you to do with the rest of your life? What directions he'd have you to take? What commitments he'd have you to make? Whether it be joining a church, whether it be getting baptized, whether it, the First and foremost is accepting him as your, the gift of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Certainly the most important. But most of you or some of you have. What's the next step? What does God want from you next? What 
do you want from God next? He's there. He went to the cross for you. And he'll go to any lengths to help you with the rest of your life. He proved it there on Calvary for each one of us. To his glory and to his Father's glory. And in ultimately to your glory as you submit yourselves to him. Let's all stand.